It's hard to believe that we've come to the end of our summer series, Blowing in the Wind. Each week this summer, we've been looking and bouncing around through the book of Acts, trying to figure out how the Holy Spirit moves in the world, and more importantly, how we can join in on what the Spirit is doing. Well, we end this series with a huge story from the chapter uh, 16 of the book of Acts, where we see the Apostle Paul and his friends come to the Roman colony of Philippi. Now, the story is so big and so long that we chose to not have the text read separately in the service. So I'm just going to talk through it as the story unfolds. But before we dive into this amazing story, I want to frame it with some questions that you might be asking today. You know, the world just seems out of control, doesn't it? I mean, we are five months into this pandemic, and it is reshaping our society right before our eyes. And we're just weeks away from a presidential election that will undoubtedly, the next few weeks, are going to just deepen the divide between an already extremely divided political landscape. And then just to top it all off, we are repeatedly reminded of the extreme racial and social economic disparity and injustices built within our systems. And so the question I want us to ask today is, does the gospel have anything to say in this public sphere of all of these big questions? I mean, how does the gospel intersect with the public world? Now, I realize this is a huge, huge topic, and there's no way that I'm going to exhaust this uh, or, or provide any solid answers. But what I do want to do is to see that in this power-packed story, there are multiple examples of how the gospel intersects with the public sphere. And one more thing that we need to frame before we dive into the story is we need to make sure that we clearly understand what we mean when we say the gospel. You remember back at the beginning of the gospel of Mark, Jesus came out on the scene and he, he, his very first sermon was, he said, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. You see, there it is, the good news, the gospel. And the good news is that the kingdom of God is here. You see, I think as we go through this story, we're going to see that there's this contrast between two kinds of kingdoms. On the one hand, there is the kingdom of human power. That's the way we tend to live our lives. And it's about greed. It's about self-interest and self-protection. It's about uh, controlling our environment. And it, it almost always turns into a, a class system where some people are better than others and some people feel the right to exploit others to protect the, the bottom line and, and build up what we ultimately call the empire. That's the, the kingdom of human power. But on the other hand, there's the kingdom of God, which is about God's love, about justice, about peace for all nations. And the king of this kingdom is Jesus. Jesus came to show us what God's kingdom actually looks like and what a real leader looks like, one who came to serve all people, all people, for justice and peace. And we're going to see how these two kingdoms collide as we look at six encounters 
in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 40. Our first encounter is with a woman named Lydia. So let's read beginning in verse 11. We set sail from Troas and took a straight course to Samothrace, the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate by the river, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. A certain woman named Lydia, a worshiper of God, was listening to us. She was from the city of Thyatira and a dealer in purple cloth. The Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. And when she and her household were baptized, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come and stay at my home. And she prevailed upon us. Now, Lydia is a woman with wealth and status and power. And when the kingdom of God encounters her, what does she do? She's totally open to it. And she sees that all of these resources that she has are a gift from God. And she opens her home and welcomes all. So here's my question. Who are the Lydia's among us today? People who are gifted with resources. And they see those resources as a means to serve the kingdom of God. That's our first encounter. Our second encounter is very different. It's an encounter with a slave girl. Let's continue reading. In verse 16, One day, as we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners a great deal of money by fortune-telling. While she followed Paul and us, she would cry out, These men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim to you a way of salvation. She kept doing this for many days. But Paul, very much annoyed, or better translated, grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. <clears throat> That's a wild story. Now, it's literally translated that she was possessed by the Python spirit, which has to do with Greek mythology of the god Apollos defeating the Python god and and it was commonplace for people to channel this spirit to, to tell the future and make money from it. And so this girl was possessed by this Python spirit and it gave her a special gift. But this gift came at the cost of losing her own identity. And not only was she possessed by the Python spirit, she was possessed by two men who owned her. And these girl, these, these slave owners, they didn't see this little girl as a human being. They saw her as an instrument for making them money. Who are the slave girls today? Millions of children and young adults are captured and sold in human trafficking rings all around the planet. They have no identity. They are oppressed by evil. <laughs> But what happens when the kingdom of God encounters 
these people, they're set free. That's our second encounter. Now, our third encounter is with the slave owners. So let's continue reading. In verse 19, But when her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. When they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, These men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them. Now, we come to the real confrontation in this story. You see, it was not uncommon for people to own slaves in the ancient world. It was everywhere. Humans owning humans to use them for profit. When the gospel set this slave girl free, the men, they did not rejoice that she was on the path to recovery. All they could see was the disruption of their economic system. Don't mess with people's money. See, when the kingdom of God forces you to choose between the well-being of human beings or the bottom line of your company, things will get ugly. See, the slave owners, they, they responded to the gospel by dragging Paul and Silas into the public square, falsely accusing them, demanding that these troublemakers be dealt with. And all Paul and Silas did was set an oppressed girl free. So who are the slave owners among us today? What lives are we willing to sacrifice to protect our bottom line? That was the third encounter. Our next encounter is with the magistrates of Philippi. Let's continue reading in verse 22. And the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. And after they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in stocks. Notice what the political powers do. They, they don't ask questions of Paul and Silas. They listen to the slave owners and they cruelly and publicly humiliate and punish Paul and Silas. And then they bury them in a deep hole so that they will not make any more damage to the economy. What are the political power structures like that today? Well, our fifth encounter is with the jailer. And this is a big part of the story that has multiple sections. In verse 25, let's continue. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake, so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. Now, first of all, notice how Paul and Silas are dealing with this injustice and this mistreatment in their life. 
they just roll with it. They're like, hey, you know, yesterday we were hanging out at Lydia's house. Sweet. Today, we're in shackles in a prison. It's okay. Hey, why don't we worship God and pray? <laughs> then we see that the power of the kingdom of God is greater than any Roman prison. An earthquake shakes the place and everyone is set free. Again, prisoners set free by the gospel. Now notice how the jailer reacts. It's very interesting. When, when he sees that the gates are open, he assumes that all the prisoners would do what anyone who is under the kingdom of human power would do. They would run for their lives, like everyone for themselves, right? And, and he knows that he'll be punished for this. And here's what's fascinating. He is so afraid of the punishment that will come down on him for this, that he would rather actually take his own life than suffer that punishment. He's just a guy trying to do his job and who is ruled by fear and violence. So who are the jailers among us today? Well, as we continue with the jailer's story, we, we see this beautiful snapshot of the gospel itself. Let's continue reading in verse 28. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. You see, the prisoners didn't run away because they had already been set free by the kingdom of God and, and they didn't have to run in fear anymore. For the first time in this Roman jailer's life, he, he sees true freedom right before him. He saw a way out of this oppressive system that he was living in, which prompts him to say, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Like you are. <laughs> and and here, here is where Paul speaks the most important line. He says, trust in the Lord Jesus. That word that's translated believe is also translated trust. And I, and I like the word trust more, right? The, the kingdom of heaven is here. Trust it. And this way of life, this kingdom of God, of love and justice and peace for all nations, this will save you and the world. That's good news. So who is proclaiming the good news today? Well, the jailer's story continues in verse 32. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds and he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. He and his entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. You see, this is what happens when we put our trust in the kingdom of God. Just like it happened to Lydia, we are opened up to hospitality to use our resources for the good and well-being of our neighbor. This is the kingdom of God, and this is what happens to the jailer, and it is 
beautiful. Now, our sixth and final encounter is with the magistrates once again in verse 35. When the morning came, the magistrates sent the police saying, Let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul saying, The magistrates sent word to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, They have beaten us in public, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison, and now they are going to discharge us in secret? <laughs> Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. The police reported these words to the magistrate, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. When the political leaders learned that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, their perspective changed. You see, the kingdom of human power always creates a class system so that some people feel that they are better than other people, which justifies the mistreatment of those lower class people. Because if you don't do that, then you can't build the empire, right? But when the magistrates found out that Paul and Silas were actually Roman citizens, which made them upper class people who had certain rights that those lower class people don't, they realized they made a huge mistake. But what did they do with their mistake? They tried to sweep it under their rug. It's like, oh, just, just let them go. And Paul's like, uh-uh, I don't think so. Look, I'm a human being not just because I'm a Roman citizen, but because I'm a child of God and I deserve justice, just like everyone else. So own your mistakes, come and talk to us face to face and apologize. See, that's all that they want from the leaders is truth. Own it. If you make a mistake, just own it. And see, that's the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of human power is that first of all, in the kingdom of God, there are no class systems. Every single person deserves justice and truth and peace. And when we make mistakes, we own them and we come clean. So in our world today, to be a follower of Jesus doesn't mean to be, you know, just like syrupy, sweet, and saccharine, and just roll over and let people abuse you. Part of our job is to stand up and speak out and can speak truth to, to corrupt power and call for justice for all people. So who are those among us today who stand up to correction and call it to account? Well, there's one verse left in our story. You notice that Paul and Silas, they didn't leave immediately like the magistrates told them to. It says in verse 40, After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home, and when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. Paul did not let the magistrates intimidate him. He was more concerned with the well-being of his newfound church in Lydia's house than he was with protecting himself. See, here's what's beautiful. Paul and Silas entered into a Roman colony, this outpost of the empire in Macedonia. And when they left, they left behind the church in Lydia's house, which is an outpost 
of the kingdom of God, a place of love and justice and peace for all nations. Now, this was a huge story, a lot crammed into it, but I leave you with one question. In the midst of all of the chaos that is happening with our world today, do you trust in the kingdom of God? Do you trust in Jesus who shows us the way of salvation, the way of love, the way of justice and peace for all people? I hope so. Amen.